Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from justthenews.com, where you get no spin, no opinion, no conjecture, just the facts, news with the facts. That's what I'm here to do. And today, we're going to have an interesting topic. I'm going to raise an important question. The more we learn about the origins of the Russia investigation, the more we now understand that maybe both of the seminal documents that gave rise to the investigation that put the media in a, uh, a frizzy to get going and, and start looking at Trump's alleged connections to Russia. Both of those documents may have been either yeah, fraudulent, inaccurate, certainly uncorroborated. That's a really important point. It goes back to showing not only the political nature of the allegations, but also the fact that the media went with documents before they knew the information in them was accurate. Uh, those two documents, anyone can remember what those are? The Steele dossier, of course, which the IG Horowitz blew apart in his report the other day. Uh, but the second one is one we forget sometimes. It was called the Black Ledger. It was a document uh, found in Ukraine in the summer of 2018 that purported to show uh, transactions between the party of regions, the party of President Yanukovych, a Russian-friendly president in Ukraine who was ousted in 2014, and money going to the Republican consultant, Paul Manafort, who at the time the Black Ledger was quote-unquote discovered, uh, was President Trump's campaign chairman. And when the New York Times wrote the story, saying this Black Ledger showed payments between the Party of Regions and Yanukovych and Manafort, it forced Manafort's resignation from the Trump campaign. It was a very important document. The media took it as gospel. But as I have been digging in more and more and more, I'm beginning to learn that that document may not have been authentic and that authorities both in Ukraine and in the United States knew in advance that there was a reason to suspect those documents. So, But before we get to that, uh, we've had an incredible six or seven days of the impeachment trial now, and I wanted to uh, give a couple uh, factual uh, things that I think people may not have had a chance to see. If you haven't had the chance to take a look at Pam Bondi's presentation yesterday. She's the former Florida Attorney General. She's a member of President Trump's legal defense team. Uh, I really encourage you to go back and look at her 30-minute presentation yesterday. Um, as you know, many of my colleagues in the media, and certainly Joe Biden and his Democratic defenders, 
have challenged my reporting on, on the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Ukraine connection. Some have called it a conspiracy theory. Many people claim the facts were debunked. As you know, or I hope you know, and as I've reported very carefully, every fact that I wrote about in the Biden uh, case, the Hunter Biden Burisma case, uh, has been authenticated. You can go to johnsolomonreports.com and see uh, the timeline of every event that occurred and the substantiation for it. But yesterday, Pam Abondi did a uh, her own version of what really went on in um, Ukraine. She pr- pr- uh, provided a timeline that actually debunks a lot of the claims in the media and debunks a lot of the claims that um, Joe Biden and his defenders have been making. Um, and just to remind everybody, so everyone remembers the Hunter Biden thing, Joe Biden gets put in charge of uh, Ukraine-U.S. policy right after Yanukovych is ousted in February of 2014. And within two months, while Joe Biden is working to get Ukraine energy independent, all of a sudden, Burisma Holdings, a Ukraine natural gas company, hires Hunter Biden to be on its board, along with one of his business associates, Devin Archer. And those two Americans uh, end up uh, scoring more than $3.4 million in payments from Burisma, Uh, between 2014 and 2016. That's a lot of money. Uh, To put it in perspective, uh, the two board members were being paid at their firm, Rosemont, Seneca, Bohai, about 30 times what an average American household makes in a year, $2 million a year compared to just uh, $60,000 or $62,000 a year for the average American household. This was a sweetheart deal when it comes to the size of the compensation that Hunter Biden was getting. Uh, Now, Hunter Biden has said in his own interview he thinks he got the job not because he had natural gas experience, but because of his last name. And it's very important to remember that at the time he got it, Ukrainian authorities were investigating Burisma for possible corruption. Uh, And um, right in the middle of that corruption investigation in the spring of 2016, as the presidential election here in America was uh, railing on, Uh, Joe Biden went to Ukraine and by his own words said uh, to the Ukrainian authorities, I want you to fire Ukraine's chief prosecutor. If you don't do it, I'm going to take away $1 billion in USAID from Ukraine. You got six hours, get it done. Well, it turns out that that prosecutor at the very moment Joe Biden forced his firing was was leading the investigation into Burisma. Republicans want to know whether it was connected. State Department officials have already said they thought Joe Biden's actions constituted the appearance of a conflict of interest. But uh, all of this has been muddled in the media. Reporters claiming it's debunked. It's a conspiracy theory. If you don't have uh, if you have a free few minutes this week, go listen to Pam Bondi's presentation. She put the timeline together with real audio clips, real video clips, real documents. Uh, It's anything but debunked. And many of the senators who came out of that presentation yesterday said that they learned new information uh, and that the Joe Biden, Hunter Biden relationship in Ukraine looked more troubling to them and ought to be further investigated. I just encourage you to take a listen to that. It's it's certainly um, a worthwhile 30 minutes. All right, we're going to go to commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to start to talk about the two seminal documents. We'll start with the Steele dossier, remind everybody what Inspector General Horowitz said about it. And then we'll get to that new document or the document that I think there's new evidence emerging on, the black ledger that felled Paul Manafort. We'll be back in a few seconds. Deborah's home was stolen. No, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. 
I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest growing white-collar crimes. And this story is why you need Home Title Lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need home title lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. Okay, welcome back to John Solomon Reports, the podcast where we cut away the noise get you right to the news. So before we went to the commercial break, we were talking about the two seminal documents that uh, really drove the Russia collusion narrative at the end of the 2016 election, the Steele dossier and the um, Black Ledger that was found in Ukraine that implicated Manafort. Um, Well, let's start with the Steele dossier. We now know, thanks to the good work of Michael Horowitz, the inspector general at the Justice Department, that the Steele dossier, as I reported more than two years ago, was determined by the FBI to be mostly uncorroborated and in many cases containing erroneous information, wrong information. And perhaps most alarming is that the FBI knew in early January 2017, way before Mueller was reported, two years before the whole charade was exposed, that uh, the Steele dossier primary source, the person that Steele relied on most to make his allegations in the dossier, had told the FBI in early January, even before Donald Trump was officially inaugurated, that uh, a lot of the information Steele wrote in the report exaggerated or misstated what the source told them, and that some of the things he he said, including the famous P-tape that the source had passed on to the dossier, was, was passed on in jest, meaning it was never intended to be taken as real intelligence or serious. That's how bad a product uh, the Steele dossier was. I mean, we're talking about a seriously flawed product. In fact, when uh, the inspector general began analyzing a lot of the key allegations, and perhaps the most important one, because it was used to support the FISA against Carter Page, uh, he found that the claim in the Steele dossier used to justify the FISA warrant intruding on Carter Page's privacy uh, was a claim by Steele through his subsources, that Steele had met two senior Russian officials. We now know the FBI and the IG concluded neither of those meetings ever occurred. That is really, really troubling. And the sort of thing that I think shows how bad the Steele dossier was, how bad it was for BuzzFeed to publish it without authenticating it. There is a lot of questions for the media and the FBI to answer on this. Well, one of the things that um, I reported last summer that has been corroborated by the IG report is the fact that the FBI kept a spreadsheet analyzing every sentence of the uh, Steele dossier, each one of the little memos that made up the overall dossier. And I reported that uh, sources who had seen it said about 90% of the information that was found in the Steele dossier was either debunked, could never be corroborated, or was simply traced to open source intelligence that could easily be found. Well, the IG absolutely 
uh, corroborated that the Steele dossier was a big nothing burger. Let me read you this quote from the Horowitz Report talking about the FBI's authentication efforts. The FBI concluded, among other things, that although consistent with known efforts by Russia to interfere in the 2016 U.S. election, much of the material in the Steele election report, including allegations about Donald Trump and members of the Trump campaign relied upon in the Carter Page FISA applications, could not be corroborated. Let me repeat that. Could not be corroborated. The Carter Page and Trump stuff just simply wasn't true. That certain, quote, but going back to the quote, Quote, certain allegations were inaccurate or inconsistent with information gathered by the Crossfire Hurricane Team. That's the name of the FBI uh, investigation team. And that the limited information that was corroborated related to time, location, and title information, much of which was publicly available, end quote. In short, Horowitz concluded, as the FBI did, that the Steele dossier was, in intelligence terms, a, a piece of garbage. It was uh, really non-actionable intelligence, and in many cases, wrong, exaggerated, uh, disproven. And yet, an entire investigation, two and a half years of FBI and special counsel work, was justified because of this document. And uh, we now know, as we look back on history, that that was a shameful time for the FBI. And quite frankly, uh, someone who hasn't taken enough blame yet is the U.S. media. They drove this narrative they drove it with anonymous sources. They drove it with an uncorroborated dossier. And when I began reporting in the spring and summer of 17 that U.S. intelligence sources were telling me that the information in the Steele dossier was not true, it was being debunked, it was not adding up, I got ridiculed, as did Sarah Carter and a couple of other great reporters. Uh, but over time, uh, we have uh, shown that the facts bore out that Christopher Steele's dossier wasn't true, was uncorroborated, was useless information, and yet an entire country, because of the media's uh, breathless reporting and the conduct of the FBI, we went through a two-and-a-half-year crisis that was completely unnecessary. All right, we're going to go to another commercial break. When we come back, now I'm going to turn to that second document, the Black Ledger, the special black book, the accountant's book in Ukraine. I think this story is going to tell a lot about the nature of allegations in Ukraine that surfaced in 2016, the sort of election interference that concerns Donald Trump's uh, legal team. Uh, and uh, I think we're going to learn new information about this document. We'll go to the commercial break, pay the bills, and we'll be right back. Imagine this Valentine's Day story is you. You're parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in 10 minutes. Glancing in the mirror, you notice you got those wrinkles and large under-eye bags. You rummage through your bag thinking, where's my secret weapon? And there it is. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in just minutes. It's the Valentine's gift you give yourself. Go to triplexiderm.com and enter voices, that's V-O-I-C-E-S, at triplexiderm.com for 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter Voices, V-O-I-C-E-S, at triplexiderm.com to get 50% off, plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mention the code VOICES, V-O-I-C-E-S. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee, so get to my special discount. Enter Voices, V-O-I-C-E-S, at triplexiderm.com. All right, back from the break, 
and time to take you to Ukraine, UKEV, a country with lots of corruption and a dysfunctional relationship between our U.S. Embassy and the law enforcement officials in the prosecutor's office and what is known as the FBI of Ukraine, known as NABU. Um, in the wild summer of 2016, Ukrainian officials were concerned that Donald Trump might defeat Hillary Clinton. They viewed Hillary Clinton as more favorable uh, to Ukraine at the time. And uh, they were making efforts to uh, really uh, try to sway the election, at least some people. It wasn't a government-wide effort, but there was efforts by individual uh, officials in the Ukrainian government to sway the election towards Hillary Clinton and away from Donald Trump. They viewed, the Ukrainians did, at least these officials did, viewed Donald Trump as pro-Russia, uh, and uh, that scared them. And so it is irrefutable that the following events occurred. Uh, in the spring of 2016, the U.S. Embassy was approached by a Democratic National Committee contractor, an operative, by the name of Alexandra Chalupa. She asked the Ukrainian embassy here in Washington for any dirt they had on Donald Trump and Paul Manafort. Um, a officer in the U.S. Embassy by the name of Andrei Teloshenko told me that he was tasked with going to Ukraine and finding any dirt in the intelligence and law enforcement files of that country's services, and then he brought that information back to the embassy a few weeks later and gave it to the ambassador. The ambassador, however, tells me, um, Mr. Chale, that they never provided any information to Chalupa. At the end of the day, they decided that what Chalupa was asking for uh, was inappropriate. It would have been a Ukrainian effort to interfere in the U.S. election, so they didn't provide the information. But what's interesting is that the embassy gave us some insights into what it was that Chalupa and the DNC were looking to do. By the embassy's account, uh, Ms. Chalupa wanted to get enough dirt on Paul Manafort, the Trump campaign chairman, and Donald Trump, tying them to Russia, to Yanukovych, the Russian-friendly uh, president in Ukraine, to try to spring a fall 2016 surprise, uh, maybe a congressional hearing or a congressional event where all this evidence would be outed. The, at the end of the day, the embassy chose not to uh, provide her that information and to avoid that intervention in the election. But a few months later in August, we now know that Ambassador Chale himself wrote an op-ed in my old publication, The Hill, in which he sharply criticized Donald Trump's policies towards uh, Russia and towards Ukraine and raised serious questions about whether he would be good for his country. Uh, most of the witnesses that testified during the impeachment trial from the State Department said it was an extraordinary event, unusual for an ambassador in a host country of America to criticize one of the two nominated candidates. So that is a second episode of intervention. The third episode is that in December of 2018, long after the 2016 election, a Ukrainian court ruled that two government officials, the head of NABU, a guy named Artem Sitnik, and a, a former investigative journalist turned parliament member, Sergei Leshenko, uh, wrongly intervened in the U.S. election, illegally intervened in the U.S. election by releasing the Black Ledger, a document uh, that was gathered as evidence by Ukrainian authorities in the summer of 2016, and uh tying it to Paul Manafort. So the release of the information, the publication or publicizing of the Black Ledger by Leshenko and Sitnik, according to that Ukraine court, was an illegal intervention in the U.S. election under Ukrainian law. Now, 
Um, uh, later, another court overruled that this past summer because of jurisdictional issues, but not did not dispute the facts that the efforts by Sitnik and by Lashenko, who I've interviewed, and you'll hear from shortly, uh, that those amounted to an interference in the U.S. election. So when you hear these allegations that, oh, there's no truth to the Ukrainians uh, having any role or meddling in the U.S. election, remember the approach by Chalupa to the embassy. Remember Ambassador Chale's anti-Trump op-ed in August of 2016. And remember the very actions of Mr. Sitnik, the head of NABU, the FBI of Ukraine, and Mr. Lashenko, the parliamentary member, uh, concerning uh, the uh, uh, Black Ledger, their effort to release that information, get it to the New York Times, publicize it, make a big deal of it. It had instant impact because within a few weeks, Paul Manafort was forced to resign from the uh, Trump campaign, which was a big blow going into the fall election, the final 100 days of the election. And it was one of the two driving documents that, that made the media start to report that there might be a Russian collusion uh, narrative between Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin in the 2016 election. So that's a very important document. Uh, now, over the last few months, I have done a lot of reporting on the Black Ledger. And there is a growing body of evidence that the Black Ledger was known by Ukrainian authorities and by U.S. authorities to be at best suspect and at worst absolutely uh, a fraud. And um, let me tell you what I've learned. Uh, I believe Special Counsel Robert Mueller's office had key witnesses early on, cooperating witnesses, who co confirmed for the Special Counsel's office and for the FBI agents working for it that the Black Ledger likely was not an accurate or contemporaneous document, that it appeared to have been reconstructed after the fact. The reason is the original accounting ledgers of the Party of Regions, the Yanukovych party that paid Paul Manafort as a lobbyist slash consultant, had been burned in a fire back in 2014. So somebody had to recreate these books. And in so doing, my sources tell me the FBI learned that in the recreation, uh, some of the signatures were not accurate including signatures that were purported to be Paul Manafort's, uh, and that some of the transaction amounts and dates were uh, jumbled or uh, inaccurate. And I am growing in confidence that we're going to be able to get some of these documents in the next few weeks that show just exactly what Special Counsel Mueller and what um, uh, the uh, FBI learned at the time. Separately, I interviewed many of the Ukraine prosecutors who handled this document uh, including the special anti-corruption prosecutor and the deputy uh, prosecutor general of Ukraine. And they both told me they did not believe they had ever corroborated that the uh, Black Ledger was in fact an accurate document and that they had specifically instructed NABU and others not to publicize it, not to release it because of that fact. And that when NABU and Artem Sitnik and Lyshenko did release and publicize the document, uh, it caused harm to the investigation and it potentially circulated uh, false information heading into the 2016 U.S. election. I think that's why the court ultimately ruled that the release was an inappropriate and illegal intervention in the U.S. election by Ukrainian government officials. All right. Now, I had a chance to talk to Sergei Lyshenko last sem summer, the parliamentary member, the investigative journalist, one of the people who publicized the dossier and and banged the drums uh, in summer, fall of 16 about Manafort Trump. When we come back from the commercial break, 
I want you to hear a couple of clips from that interview. It is going to change your mind, I think, about some of the information that the media has reported. There's a far different story than what we knew. Deborah's home was stolen. No, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest-growing white-collar crimes. And this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity, gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need home title lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. All right, time to get back to Ukraine. So, uh, Sergei Lyshenko has been on the um, side of the Ukrainian government that's been very aligned with our U.S. embassy, particularly during the Obama years. He's a former investigative journalist, very well-spoken, speaks English pretty well, uh, very high profile in the the U.S. media as well as Ukrainian media. And he eventually made his way into politics and became a parliamentary member. And as I described in the last segment, uh, he was one of two people that significantly publicized the discovery uh, of the Black Ledger document, a document purporting to show transactions between President Yanukovych's Party of Regions, the Russian-linked party of Ukraine that was thrown out in 2014 in a revolution, uh, and the Republican lobbyist consultant Paul Manafort, who uh, in 2016 served in the Trump campaign and today serves in prison after being convicted in the Robert Mueller investigation of financial crimes. Uh, So Sergei Lyshenko, along with the NABU director, Artem Sitnik, were deeply involved in making sure the media learned about this black ledger, about these purported transactions, millions of dollars to Manafort. Um, And uh, we now know that uh, Ukrainian prosecutors believe the document may not have been authentic, could not be corroborated. It may have had correct amounts of information, but it may have been fabricated after the fact or manufactured after the fact. Uh, Ukrainian authorities told me they believe the original ledger, the real party ledger, had burned in a fire in 2014 based on interviews and evidence they did. So when Sergei Lyshenko started talking about this along with Artem Sitnik and fanning the flames of this in the summer and fall of uh, 2016, uh, the question in my mind was, what did he think? Did he think this was a completely accurate document or did he have his own suspicions? And I was lucky enough to get to interview uh, Mr. Lyshenko, and uh, I want you to hear what he said about what he thought about the Black Ledger. What he told me essentially was that uh, he thought it was an uh, gave some accurate transactions and things that he was able to independently corroborate, but he was never certain that the Black Ledger was strong enough evidence to be submitted in the court of law, that it didn't beat the probable cause standard. Uh, and, um, well, just listen to what he says here. I think you'll be enlightened. Black Ledger is an official document. That's right. And Black Ledger were not used 
as the official uh, evidence in criminal in criminal investigation because you know in criminal investigation all proofs have to be beyond the reasonable doubts that's right and black ledger is not the sample of such proofs because we don't know the nature of this document because it right. was like uh, discovered after Yanukovych fled from Ukraine. Well, there you go. Sergei Lyshenko, in his own words, the investigative journalist from Ukraine, the parliamentary member, one of the uh, advocates of uh, uh, the Black Ledger discovery in Ukraine in 2016. In his own words, it's not an official document. It's unofficial. It... Uh, could not meet the standard of uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. It wasn't worthy to be supported in the court. Now, in his mind, it was worth publicizing that document because it hinted or gave some sense of the size and scope of the relationship between Manafort and Yanukovych, a relationship that ultimately did result in uh, criminal charges and a conviction against Paul Manafort and the resignation of Paul Manafort from Trump's campaign. But at the end of the day, like the Steele dossier, what we're hearing from Sergei Lyshenko uh, is that he uh, knew when he was publicizing the document that it might not be a piece of evidence that could meet the standard of beyond reasonable doubt in a court. I think we're going to learn a lot more from other witnesses in the Manafort case where we're trying to get documents from the FBI, from the Justice Department, that others not only corroborated Lyshenko's concerns, but in fact... Uh, accentuated them by by clearly showing specific transactions, specific details that were clearly wrong or uh, uh, misinterpreted in the uh, Black Ledger. Very concerning piece of information. Now, I also asked a little bit about Sergei Lyshenko and his motive. Where were you? Where was your head in 2016 when you released this document? He was very candid. He said that he really feared that Donald Trump would not be as good for Ukraine as Hillary Clinton. So his motive had some uh, political nature to it, some policy nature to it, at least from a Ukrainian's perspective. But I want you to listen to what he told me about what he learned or what he saw since Donald Trump became president. Uh, he actually acknowledged in this next clip, I think you're going to like it, that he had uh, might have been wrong about Donald Trump and his approach on Ukraine and policy. Again, these were comments last summer before the impeachment scandal started. But uh, he saw Donald Trump's approval of lethal aid for Ukraine as surprisingly good for Ukraine. And uh, let's just let Sergei Lyshenko speak for himself here. Of course, all politicians make mistakes. And in my, in my sense, our expectation about Mr. Trump was very different from what we see now, because in the beginning, again, let's remind Crimea statement and let's remind how official document of Republican Party was changed right. to make it less, let's say, pro-Ukrainian. Sure. You know, the issue right. of uh, lethal weapons, right. it was changed to the appropriate assistance under the influence of some Trump people. So we were very concerned about this because it was not only one, but a few evidence saying that very strong pro-Russian, let's say, ideas or lobby present somewhere around Mr. Trump. But as a president, we don't see any activity conducted him so far against, let's say so far, against Ukraine. And we very much appreciate the providing of lethal weapons for Ukraine now. And also, so uh, I, again, and, and uh, again, as a politician, I have to uh, say that all of us make mistakes. And if I made mistake, I, I would like to apologize for this because all journalists, all politicians, they are human beings. Sure. There is no person who made no mistakes. And uh, he, again, if Mr. Trump continued to work as the, 
let's say, person who has no affiliation with Russians, who will not replace uh, Ukrainian interests onto Russian interests and to exchange Ukraine on some. Uh, and other reasons, uh, for me, it's okay to have person who stays on Ukrainian interests. Yeah. No. That's Sergei Lyshenko, the Ukrainian parliamentary member, saying he might have made a mistake about his assessment of Donald Trump in 2016, back when he was among those publicizing the Black Ledger and that uh, President Trump's assistance to Ukraine, including the lethal weapons assistance that the President Obama administration did not provide, has been good for Ukraine. And uh, he has a slightly different view of President Trump, albeit early. Uh, these were comments he made last summer before the impeachment. He's been a little critical of President Trump's conduct in the impeachment case. But um, it's really important to understand, one, his motive, that at the time he was leaking the uh, or uh, publicizing the Black Ledger, he was unhappy with Trump and the possibility he might become president in 2016. And now, three years later, in the 2019-2020 timeframe, Sergei Lyshenko has found President Trump's policies to be surprisingly better for Ukraine than he thought. Um, those are important words. But I think most importantly now, the work that I have as a journalist and others uh, as journalists is we need to dig in further and find out if the Black Ledger falls into the same category as the Steele dossier. Was it so flawed that uh, uh, Special Counsel Mueller never uh, submitted it into court? We've always wondered why he didn't bring it up as evidence in the court. The very document that led to the Manafort investigation isn't actually introduced in the Manafort trial. Uh, I bet you we're going to learn from the reporting I'm doing now that there were very stark warnings that the document was not accurate, that it was manufactured after the fact. And then the question is, who knew it was manufactured? Who manufactured? Who promoted it as manufactured, uh, as realist, uh, as real, when in fact it was manufactured? Those are all things we should get to the bottom of. Because at the end of the day, as history looks back at the Russia collusion investigation, I think we're going to learn that the two seminal documents bantied about by federal law enforcement and by the U.S. news media, the Steele dossier, the Black Ledger, were in fact uh, inaccurate, uncorroborated, bad evidence. And that doesn't mean that Paul Manafort didn't engage in criminality. It doesn't mean that there weren't legitimate issues to look at in the Russian investigation, such as the hacking that went on. But it does really strongly show that the elements that most tarnished Donald Trump that most um, raised questions about his campaign going into the final days of the election and going all the way through the first two, three years of his presidency, those allegations were based on bad evidence, uncorroborated evidence, and maybe outright fictitious evidence. That should trouble us all. That's what we used to call in politics a dirty trick. This is John Solomon, and you're listening to John Solomon Reports. Later this week, we'll be talking more about that Russia investigation and some other new revelations. So tune back in, get your friends on Stitcher and on Apple iTunes to subscribe and download so that we can share facts and then you can make up your own mind. We'll talk soon.